0: Welcome to Family Financial Views from University of Illinois Extension.
1: Welcome. This is Kathy Swiebler from University of Illinois Extension, and I'm happy to have you join us today as we explore the topic of financial equity. Um, and I'll tell you a little more about that in a minute, but first, I'd like to have my co um, producers introduce themselves. Um, Kamaya, would you like to start?
2: Absolutely. Hi, everyone. My name is Kamaya Wallace-Bichard. I am very excited to be on to talk about natural equity. I know we'll have um, lots of great information to share. And I'm Stacia Robbinsetter,
0: and I'm just here for the ride today. <laughs> <laughs> so... We
1: want to talk today about financial equity in partnerships and relationships and what that might look like and how you might grow a positive um, financial equity in your relationship. But we're also going to be talking about financial abuse and what that looks like in relationships. And we're well aware that this is an uncomfortable <sighs> topic. It can bring rise lots of mixed feelings, um, some not very pleasant at all. And so if this is not a good day for you to listen to this podcast, we get it. Um, We have a lot of other positive podcasts. Go read our ones on reading stories to children and sharing your values. Listen to that. But we do think this is an important topic and one that it relates to our Um, family financial feuds and relates to what we're hoping to build um, in relationships and around money, which is the idea that finances are an important way that we can empower ourselves and that we can take care of ourselves and we can reach our goals. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. So hopefully you'll stay with us. And this may be something where you hear some pieces that you agree with us and some places where you don't agree with us. And that's okay too. Um, But Mm. I think it's important to have this conversation to talk about it. We're not saying we have all the answers, but we can talk. So, That's where we're gonna start out. And I guess the first thing we should really talk about is this whole term, financial equity. And what does that mean and what doesn't that mean to us? So anybody wanna jump in on that one?
2: Yeah, I can go ahead and start. When I think of equity, I think of fairness, access, you know, having kind of, like, respect, um, being in the know when I think of it in terms of finances. So we always hear of the, you know, understand the difference between equality and equity. Seisha brought that up as well, too. So when I think of, like, equity, it doesn't necessarily mean that everything is, like, split 50-50, but there is that fairness aspect to it where in a... Relationship, like both people in that relationship um, have access and there's fairness in how they manage, like the finances and how they um, just overall interact with each other when it comes to money related issues.
0: And I just want to piggyback and say, like, I really have a hard time between equity and equality. So I had to like google it earlier when we before we were you know getting ready. So there's a really cute cartoon that if you do google it just check it out. Uh, it's like people looking over a baseball field and they all have like the same height, but then like two are shorter and it's really cute. So there's
2: that. My
0: two cents for there. Yeah.
2: Yes, yeah, so I love that famous um image. Yes.
1: I I know which one too. It brings that right up to me. Thank you.
2: Yeah, and I think this is something I when
1: I started researching um this topic Topic. I was like, okay, but like, I always pay the bills in our household. We all know that, right? Because we've podcasted about this. <laughs> um, does that mean that my husband, my relationship is not equitable that we, you know, and I really, but the key, I think one of the key things here when we're talking about building a financially equitable relationship is, I might do the bills because who knows why, but and my husband though might be doing other things, turning in you know costs for our flex account or doing things, and we're both aware of what each other is doing. And when it comes to important financial decisions, we value each other's opinions. We listen to each other. Um, we we equ- have equal say in how our money is managed. And I think that's kind of the difference um, for me when I started thinking. But I know it's going to be different for different couples, depending on what they're comfortable with. Um, And that might matter in terms of like culture, their age, their experiences, their personality. Um, Can you think of another example that we could share with people?
2: I can can think, too, of just confidence and and ability, because I'm thinking of sometimes when, you know. if, if you are in a couple and you're having, like, a new mortgage or different things like that, and if you don't feel comfortable or confident with, like, just making, like, certain big decisions sometimes, um, it it might come off as, oh, you're giving this person, like, so much of the power to make all the decision, but it could be just it's just not you just don't feel comfortable in yourself being that person in the front making like that decision so sometimes that's how I think of it too is you know it's 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 like that confidence piece or not feeling very comfortable yeah I, that's true because we all have different expertise and if mm-hmm. one person has more expertise
1: then you're gonna probably listen to them more give them more weight to their what they have to say mm-hmm. um but I was thinking about like if a lot of times people will ask me um, you know well I'm entering this new relationship how should we set it up so that it financially it works well for both of us Um, and does that mean like we should share checking accounts or should I have my own checking account and these might seem kind of concrete like matters but I think it, rec- it people are recognizing that they want to have a good financial relationship with their partner and but they also want to maintain some control mm-hmm. and they want to know how should this start out so it grows in a healthy way And I think, you know, we had a wonderful opportunity at AFCPE a couple of weeks ago to hear some different speakers that spoke on this topic. And I really liked what Jamie Ogden, um, who's from the Supporters of Abuse-Free Environments, was she was talking about things that happen when when you don't have an equal relationship. And I thought, you know, some of these would be just good things to kind of put into a new relationship. So um, I thought sharing some of those might be good. And for example, um, you know, I do think it's important that each person builds their own credit history. Um, And so that you have credit in our society. I just think it's helpful that we each have credit in our own names. And that we can build that credit history, that all of that is not in just one partner or another partner's name. So that's one example. What are other ways that we could build that
2: financial equity? I think of ways for staying informed in what is going on in your household, in your and Kathy, you've mentioned some of this earlier too, just to know like what are the different bills that you have going on? So the different payments. You know, you might have student loan your partner might have student loan, Um, just kind of knowing like what are the balance of those, what are you paying out each month, um, the things that you're trying to save for. So whether it's like retirement, um, you know, in my household, we we talk about that a lot because there's so many changes in like our plans over the years. And so just like being aware of the changes that you're making to those and like the different household finances that you have together and some of the ones that might, you might have Like, bring to the relationship. So, just being aware of all of those. One of the things I think about when you talk, we're
0: talking about credit history, Kathy, was, you know, one of our very first podcasts, which is called To Show or Not To Show that Kamaya and I did about whether to show your um, spouse or significant other that you're dating or getting married your credit history. Because, like, your credit history shows all of the things that you have in your debts, right? And I thought it was a good thing to bring up because it is it's a very old it's an older podcast. It's a lot of fun. But we did bring up a lot of different things in that podcast too. So to me that was just like this is my added my added statements here.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I think it's a good one to refer back to and Mm -hmm. kind of reinforces the you know, the theme of what we've often talked about is sort of how do you stay on track with your finances, but also empower yourself to know about them and understand what's going on in your relationship. Mm-hmm. And it, when we were talking here, it reminded me that way back when I was growing up in high school, you know, my mom said to me, it's really important that you have skills or education, whichever way works, um, that you can support yourself and you're not dependent on somebody else." And this is something i've taken with me my whole life my mom wasn't really isn't really one to give a lot of advice but she felt very strongly about this and and i remember even when i chose to step out of the workforce to have our children I was concerned that I keep up my employability skills so that I could step back in. And I think this is also something, you know, we make decisions and different decisions are right for different people. Um, but to think about how do you maintain your employability even, you know, while you're out of the workforce or how do you increase your employability while you're in the workforce? Those earnings are a strong piece of our financial compl- Capacity, And so that so I, I throw that one out, too, to everybody is if you want that equity, keep yourself employable.
0: Any other things we want oh, to bring? I, up? I just want to say that it reminds me of the the website called wife.org. And one of their key phrases many years ago was a man is not a financial plan. And so it's one of my favorite sayings that I tell people and then they get kind of uh, upset with me. But I mean, I think it's something just to be mindful of as well. Absolutely.
2: And I think that can, you know, be like some big decisions like for a lot of working families where you had two income and one parent had to stay home because of younger children and especially now too with the pandemic people are making a lot of different decisions and I think too I love that point that Kathy make about keeping building up like those skill levels I've had friends who were in professional fields but decided to stay home and they continued to work with like different nonprofits organizations um, find opportunities where they could do volunteer work or do different things from home um, to help build like that skill base, so that. They know that eventually they would want to reenter the workforce. So they maintain a lot of that over the years to, to of course, be able to go back into the work, workforce with um, new experiences.
1: Right. It takes energy and it takes time. But, it I does. Think it, it, you know, and I'm not saying it's easy um, and staying in touch with your professional associations and things like that can help, too. But these are just, you know, ideas. Not all mm-hmm. of them are going to be good for everybody. And I mentioned, you know, making sure you have a credit history. I want to make sure we touch on Assets too, because it's not all about having debt. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you have any shared assets um, in your household, then you know making sure that your name is on those assets as well as on the debt, I think, is an important thing. And hopefully, this isn't as big of a problem as it used to be. But you know, the first time I bought a house with my husband, I had to have them redo the paperwork three times to get my name on the mortgage, even though I was the one with earned income at the time. So, you know. Speaking as an older woman who has seen some of this discrimination, I'm still bringing it up um, so that we can, you know, keep things moving forward on equality or equity or whichever way that word supposed to be used right now. Um, <laughs> So, all right, these are great ideas. And I'm sure that, you know, our listeners probably have other ideas um, that, you know, of how to build for that relationship so that you maintain um, that financial Can I add one more
0: thing I think that we didn't really talk about was um, we have, you know, another podcast about money personalities. And I do think that's another way to start the conversation. I know that a lot of uh, universities, they have like – Like newlywed classes or like about to get married classes and they use the things like money habitudes and um, money scripts to talk about the different types. And I think that's a good starting point, especially if you're like really uncomfortable talking about it, because like like in our other podcast, we talked about, you know, like to show or not show your credit report like that's really intimidating Mm -hmm. Like Amaya and I talked about that a lot. Like, (laughs) hey, I just met you. Can I see your credit report? Like, that's really intimidating. But I think the money personalities is a good entry point to have that conversation for those individuals. Right. Yeah, I
1: think that's good.
2: Very, very, very good point. Another point I wanted to add, too, about, like, the building equity as I'm thinking about different household types, you know, trying to model, like, equitable behavior within, like, your household when you have children and other things like that and, you know, how you go about doing that. And I can reflect on even, like, some of my childhood experiences um, where my my dad was one who worked full-time and my mom sometimes worked part-time and just seeing how they handled, like, the family finances. Um, there were a lot of ch- trial and error for them, like with, of course, with a lot of different household. But I know um, just like seeing how they modeled that and my mom, um, you know, always having like a positive attitude towards how they were trying to figure out and uh, and manage all of that was always an example that I saw growing up. And so, you know, when we're thinking about like modeling like those equitable behavior, it's hard and different families, different couples have different um, um, challenges with that, but if we can incorporate that so that it doesn't seem like it's only one parent who is always doing, you know, all the different payments or or who is in charge of all of the family accounts, and as the kids get older, they start to notice things a little bit more. So, um, you know, finding different ways to, to kind of model that. I just wanted to add that piece.
1: Yeah. And I think just also to, as we're talking, I was reminding that this isn't really 50, 50, you know, right. it's going to look different in different households and, and different cultures, different backgrounds, different ages, people I think are good and personalities are going to really see, you know, it, it's going to evolve to look different in successful relationships, mm-hmm. but being aware of how to build toward that and what is is a way to protect yourself in case something happens to your partner and they pass away or you do get split up so that you have that financial capacity to move forward, I think is really important. And we're going to now, you know, kind of move from this idea of financial equity to talk about what makes the difference between financial equity and financial abuse. And one, I think, before we start really talking about financial abuse, you know, I want to just mention that. Well, let me kind of give the definition. I guess that might be the best place. What is financial abuse? So, a couple of different definitions. We have a definition from um, a group of researchers, Postmus, Plummer, and Stiliano, um, in 2016, that suggest that say that researchers define economic abuse as involving behaviors that control. Control, exploit, or sabotage an individual's economic resources, including employment. And others kind of simplify the definition to say that it's a set of tactics used by an abuser to control their intimate partner by using access to money or other financial resources. Now, this is really different than who pays the bills, okay? So we're really talking about control and intimidation, and trying to hurt somebody else sabotage. I don't want, you know, I, I. this is an important topic to talk about, but we're now kind of looking at an extreme, mm-hmm. not just equity. Okay. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so <laughs> I want to make that transition in there somewhere. And I'm not quite, mm-hmm. anyway, so. But I think this is an important topic for us all to be aware of and to talk about. And one of the things that I learned at AFCPE from Sonia Pasi, who's the founder and CEO of Free From, is that over 90% of intimate partner violence survivors are impacted by financial abuse. And that really made me stop and think about this topic because this is important to what we work on and do so anybody else want to kind of jump in on that thought
0: i just i i really enjoyed um sonia patsy's information at at the association for financial counseling and planning education's uh, annual symposium (laughs) that's what afcve means if you all were wondering if you are not a member um, But I thought that she had a lot of really great information and it did kind of, it makes sense to me in a way, like thinking about domestic violence and we're not obviously domestic violence experts. That's not what we have our, that's not what we talk about, but that financial abuse, if it's going on and they're being controlled some way, like they can't leave. It makes it really difficult for them to leave if they want to leave, right? They may not have the assets to Go stay someplace else or even buy groceries for their kids if they, if they need to. So I think, you know, we just need to realize that domestic abuse and financial abuse literally go hand in hand. That inability to
1: support oneself and to support their own children is so key yes. um, that it, you know, it, and it's frightening to to think about putting yourself in a situation where you'd be doing that kind of you know being on the streets or being homeless. It's and and that's where recognizing. What is financial abuse and what does it look like? I think helps allows us to one help others and support each other. Okay, so let's talk a little bit more about when well, we're talking about recognizing it. What does financial abuse look like? Um, and there's some really great resources, and we're going to put some of these in the notes section when we support um, post this, so you can find them. But the National Network to End Domestic Violence has a has a really easy to read worksheet called F- um, Financial abuse fact sheet, and they list out what does financial abuse look like, and I think maybe I'm just going to read this because I think it's really important just to hear it. Um, It could look like forcing a partner to miss, leave, or be late to work. It could be harassing a partner at work so they can't do their job well. Um, We've already talked about controlling how money is spent, Um, but withholding money or giving people really a very, very small allowance that doesn't allow any kind of freedom. And then, you know, and some of these continue after somebody has left a situation or become divorced, but stealing money, credit, property, or the identity theft from the partner. Identity thefts really quite easy when you know mm-hmm. people's identifying yes. information and that can go on for years. Or forcing, through intimidation, a partner to file fraudulent legal financial documents like taxes um, or overspend on credit cards and wreck their own credit card history. These are all different ways that mm-hmm. financial abuse can occur. And I know that when I read this list and start thinking about this, I realized that in many... Relationships that were bad that I know of that these things were key elements that were mm-hmm. going on in that relationship
0: maybe not all of them but Absolutely at least not. you know a few you know mm-hmm. like you may not if you are a friend or a loved one of somebody you know you may be noticing one or two of these things and more of them could be going on that you may not be aware of but I think just even knowing what does financial abuse look like is really important to our listeners
2: Very true. And and I think when I think about it as well, too, I think about even with seeing some of these signs, it can also be like the subtle things too, that just gradually increase over time. So with like isolation and control, so when we think of things relating to different types of abuse, right? So different types of abuse, not just um, like the financial or the economic abuse, like some of the same things you might see with that. you know kind of like demeaning and those coercive behaviors so even though we these might be some of the obvious things that you might see there are subtle things that build up over time that can definitely lead into that and on the same side
1: of what Sasha was saying you know you might not see all of these seeing one or two doesn't mean there is abuse going on either so you know I think you know sometimes a friend will say something and you're like wait a minute what am I hearing? (laughs) What's happening? And, you know, but don't panic there. You know, you, it's good to open yourself up and to, to talk about it with people and to see, but you may, you know, there, sometimes there's other things that are happening in that relationship that may not be obvious or in that person's life that don't panic.
0: Can I give an example? Yeah. So a lot of times I hear of one spouse giving the other spouse an allowance. And I actually don't think that's a bad thing, you know, Unless it's obviously in financial abuse, but you know, sometimes we, you just your partner knows that they're not good with money, so they say, okay, you know what, give me X dollar amount for the month, and that's my money that I'm spending. It's my fun money, whatever it is. I think that's actually a good idea for for those. But you know, there's obviously those negative aspects. But that's an example. That's a great example. And then we kind of go
1: back to whether you know, when there's decision making to happen, financial decision making about like whether that couple wants to buy a car. Or whether they want, how do they want to invest their money? Are they both involved? Because then we want to know you know, it's not just about impulse spending, but like the whole decision making Mm -hmm. for the household finances. So we really need to know the context and we need to know what how the whole thing looks like so i think there's always one of those challenging things when we talk about any kind of uh real problem whether it's hoarding versus clutter control it's, you know <laughs> financial equity versus financial abuse is we we give out these warning signs but then we have to be to know that the context matters as well
0: yes yeah. definitely for sure
1: Oh, but I do think also this idea that is really difficult um it is that we want to recognize that not only do these things happen while people are in the relationship, but after they leave, there's many ways that p- partners can sabotage their lives. And it often comes back to financial control. And I think this is one of those things where being aware of it, whether you run a financial services like a bank or a credit union, you're a human resources person working at, you know, with employers, in a lot of different ways, being aware of this can help us help others that are trying to gain that self-sufficiency. So a 2012 Cornell study found that over 30% of places, domestic violence services reported that a good percentage of their clients were prohibited from opening a bank account or they had had their credit score lowered because of this economic abuse that was ongoing from their partners even after they had left the relationship. So if you imagine somebody's trying to get, stand on their own feet and move forward and this stuff just keeps happening um and so you know i think we need to keep that in mind as we're working with people that again the context matters and understanding what's happening matters so you know when we're when we're trying to so that's one thought i had other things y'all or this brings up or that you want to think of talk about
0: i do think (sighs) For me, this, you know, like does bring up some like weird emotions, you know, like I'm looking at this list underneath that we're talking about, um, these warning signs, but how spouses or partners can ruin each other. And I just, it makes me so mad inside, like ruining credit scores or not paying child support, moving and isolating, having to drop out of the workforce, like hiding assets. Oh, that makes me so angry inside. Like, you know, um. Or even a gambling addiction or like that just all that just
1: well i think we have to recognize that you know people aren't perfect people struggle with their own demons and their own behaviors and their own experiences you know learn behaviors from from experiences and people act out of anger at times you know so i think these are important things but at the same time we need we need to recognize, and this is maybe where one of our points, maybe to take away, is that normal relationships that are healthy really involve honest and respectful negotiation with each other. So, when yeah. you know, I may not always agree that on uh, what John thinks we ought to spend money on. But we can talk about it. We can discuss how we're going to manage this without either of us feeling intimidated. That's important. I think also couples need to keep in mind that financial plans that support both people's goals are important and yes you know so you know i might want to do some professional development jonathan might want to take a sabbatical to pursue research area these are important professional goals we have to figure out how we can accommodate them in our household and again have that conversation
0: i just want to chime in about spousal iras because a lot of i have I, you know am involved with a mom mom's a preschoolers group and a lot of our moms don't work and I understand why they don't work you know because they have you know multiple children in the household but for me like I really struggle with like well I understand that your spouse is working but are you also saving for your retirement and that's a big piece for me that that doesn't get talked about a lot like and then me, comes
1: back to having assets in your name
0: yes mm-hmm. um, so for me like that's something I really harp on moms about is like making sure that you have some retirement assets because that's important. And your spouse can contribute money from their paycheck to your spousal IRA every year. So, and then it'll grow over time and then
1: that'll be important. Absolutely. Great point. Um, And and then coming back to the point that Kamaya had made earlier, which is modeling the idea of um, discussions around finances and having that conversation around your children. And I really want to do a shout out to Jamie Ogden, who again from supporters of abuse-free environments, because I just stole some of her key points. Um, (laughs) But you know what she said really resonated with me in trying to help think about how do we build. This financial equity in relationships? How do we develop healthy patterns going forward? Maybe we've gotten a little lax. Maybe it's been very easy to let somebody else in the relationship make all the decisions and you just trust that they are doing it. And trust is great, but being informed is better. Um, so, yes. you know, I think, you know, it, we're all busy, but we need to be informed.
0: I think one key point I wanted to take away from like all the talk about financial equity versus abuse, like to me, like you, you made a key point on here about the um, the uh, research from Potmas Plummer and Stay and the Loose. Oh, I'm so sorry, I totally botched that. Um, but you talk about the quality, like there's, in- I think inequality. a relationship is going to happen right like it's just going to happen until like you find that that good point but the, the issue about versus control like there's a difference between inequality and control of financial abuse so like just because things aren't perfect in your financial situation with your spouse or your partner right now doesn't mean that you are in financial abuse either. It's just you know it's just right. We're trying you're trying to figure it out, and sometimes it takes years. Trust me. <laughs> yeah,
1: I agree. These are money and relationships is tough. It it's is. a really hard one to get to a place where you're both really comfortable.
2: Mm-hmm. And that was one thing I was thinking about um, to add to Sash's point as we were preparing for this too. And I was thinking about, you know, how do you recognize like the signs of financial abuse, but also not misreading signs? Because, again, just mm-hmm. like Kathy said, money is messy. And so when it comes to like two people merging their lives together, trying to handle all that life is thrown at you financially, it takes a lot. So explore different tools, whether it is like a budgeting tool that you both can use. I'm trying to understand like the best arrangement for like your accounts and how you want that those accounts um, organized. I think just finding like the right strategies and methods to help with just other things. There are lots of different tools you can use to try to get things organized and to figure it out, whether you're a spreadsheet person or you're an app person, just different thing that helps with that. So it doesn't feel like, you know, we're just stuck here in this discussion and we have no solution.
1: Right, and that really brought back to me that, question that I tell you that people always ask me is like one checking account or multiple checking accounts. Mm-hmm. And I don't I, I, don't have an answer for people. I think I I've, <laughs> seen, I've seen it work well for in different ways for different people. And I think all of this about money and relationships would be so much easier if we could hand people a checklist and say, do it like this and you'll be happy. <laughs> but, you know, um, yeah, it's a I cream. <laughs> I would love that. But... <laughs> because we know it's not that simple. We really... Lots of different ways work, and and that's great. And like you said, we have to sometimes we do have to experiment um, to kind of figure out what works best. And it does evolve. Over time, Um, and it's different to, you know, and we probably don't even have time to really get into all this today. Someday we should make this a topic. But with income differences, you know, if you have very different incomes that can change balance uh, of how things are handled or not. But I guess I'm still going to come back to that idea that in that talking about finances in a relationship, having each partner being heard and having input in decision making is key to healthy financial relationships.
2: Absolutely. And I know we're getting re-wrapping up, but I have like a really cool example. Um, So my partner and I, like he's a very techie person and I am not. I was more of like the spreadsheet kind of person. (laughs) And I know early on in like in a relationship was trying to figure out um, just a different ways to balance that. And I couldn't understand why it was driving him crazy when I would use like an old spreadsheet kind of thing to try to figure it out. And he wanted like to use the newest technology. And I'm like, we can do it this way. I think this way would work great. So just not understanding from his perspective, how antiquated my method was. And <laughs> <laughs> so just trying to figure that out together. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I totally get it now. After we finally sat down, I'm like, I see it now. This bank app works a lot better. It, it, it just, it keeps me from doing, taking out my calculator to do all of this stuff. So it's just, um, you know, trying to understand from his perspective. So it goes back to like that respect piece and that mutual piece where you know, both people's voices are being heard and not just one. So I just had to have that. I love that
1: example, especially because <laughs> you're our financial education expert, but yet your husband <laughs> is right on this piece, right? Or has yes, a good idea, yes. and that you listen to it because, you know, we have to listen too, right? Mm-hmm. So, we do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, um, I do want to say. And this will be in the notes, but there are hotlines out there. If you are feeling um, exploited, if you're feeling that you're in a domestic um, violence or intimate partner relationship abuse situation, please reach out for a hotline. Um, uh, One number is 800-799-7233, National Domestic Violence Hotline. So, well, this has been a challenging topic.
2: Mm-hmm. I know I
1: gave it a lot of thought. I appreciate the yes. fact I know both of you did a lot of research and thinking on this topic. I'm going to kind of also want to look back into some of the materials I teach to see if I'm putting enough emphasis on financial empowerment and capacity building in my presentations. So, mm-hmm. but thank you for joining me on this journey and exploration and discussion.
0: Thanks for always. It's always it's a pleasure. <laughs> Thanks, listeners. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to Family Financial Feuds. If you'd like to learn more about the educators, Extension in Illinois, or just personal finance in general, you can check us out on the web at www.retirewell.illinois.edu.